Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more month than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Howard Berg. Howard Stephen Berg is recognized as the world's fastest reader thanks to the cutting-edge accelerated learning techniques he developed that turn information overload into information assets. Respected internationally for his contribution to the learning process, he is listed in the 1990 Guinness Book of World Records for reading more than 25,000 words a minute and writing more than 100 words a minute. Howard uses his talents to train you on how to stay on top of information your success depends upon. Howard is a graduate of SUNY Binghamton, where he majored in biology and then completed a four-year psychology program in one year. He graduate studies at several New York City colleges focused on psychology of reading. Howard has created more than 14 other accelerated learning programs, including Speed Math and Memory. Berg's Time Warner book, Super Reading Secrets, is in its 28th reprint, and Barron's books requested him to write a text for students. Howard's Nightingale Conant program, Mega Speed Reading, grossed over $65 million and established him as a leader in brain-based learning. He is mentioned in a number of books as a leading expert on brain-based learning and has been honored by over nine books that track outstanding professional performance, including Who's Who Amongst Emerging Leaders and 2,000 Notable American Men. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Howard. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and sharing with us some of your life journey. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our conversation. I found it quite interesting when I was uh, prepping for the podcast yesterday. I put about usually about an hour, hour and a half into prep before I have a guest on. And you have led an amazing life. I look forward to finding out some details. I specifically have some things I want to ask you. It might be similar to what you've heard. It might not be, but let's dive into the show. So Howard, one of the things that I focus on in my podcast is somebody's origin story. And I get questioned on, well, you know, origin story. You just want to know what has happened in my life since I left college or left high school and become successful? No, because I believe that Howard, who Howard is today, is a culmination of your earliest recollections and memories up to where we are today. So I enjoy learning about people's childhood, about the things that happened that sparked them to be where they are. And everything's connected, at least I believe. So Howard, tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently. 
I can make it funny. It started in a fallopian tube, but that is really- <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, a long swim. My goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is absolutely hilarious. 58 episodes in of recording my podcast and nobody's ever said that. You are unique. I love that. Love, love, love oh, thank that. Thank you. But uh, we'll pass on that part. I think people <laughs> like me to skip forward a few more years. Oh, 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 hopefully... <laughs> Listeners, hopefully none of you laughed so hard he crashed into somebody. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I had a different childhood. I was uh, I, I lived near a museum, a science museum. So I started going there when I was six. There's different times. Back then, you could go outside by yourself. You didn't have to be driven anywhere. And so by the time I was seven, I was helping with the uh, planetarium. I was uh, doing tours of the museum. I was showing people the different exhibits. So I was always comfortable speaking around people. I was a professional singer when I was nine. And uh, I, I moved to the projects in Brooklyn, which was not a great place to be. There were a lot of gangs, very, very, very violent. It was West Side Story without the dancing and music. I met Bernardo, he had a knife, he wasn't singing and dancing. <laughs> and that's for real, I had a knife to my throat, I was beating wow. bats. We moved when they raped an 88-year-old man. So when I say it was a really tough neighborhood, that's a pretty tough neighborhood. Absolutely. Anyway, I found one safe place, the library. Apparently, gang kids would rather be dead than caught in the library. So I went there a lot. The worst thing in the library is the paper cut. And you can live with that. You know, it was better than getting hit in the head with a bat. So <laughs> yeah, I stayed there a lot. And I had college reading when I was 11. And I went to the State University of New York, Binghamton, when I was 17 to major in biology. And my second half of my junior year, I got interested in how the brain works and learning. So I told the dean, I want to major in bio and psych. And he said, you're, you're a second term junior. If one year left, you haven't had any psych courses. You have to do the whole program in one year and finish bio. You have to take six science courses, two four-hour labs. Lab reports took 16 hours on a slide rule. It was basically 40 hours a lab, 18 credits of science. And to make it fun, I had three jobs. I was working 18 hours a week. And he said, you know, you're not smart enough. And that's when it hit me. They never taught me how to learn in school. They tell you what to learn and why to learn. What will happen when you don't learn? But not why you read a, a book like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You don't know any habits next day. But you hear a song on the radio once, you know it your whole life. There's got to be a way to learn things like you learn songs. And I got 80 pages in it. I did the psych program in a year. I took the GRE in biology. So I reviewed 48 books in three nights, like biochemistry, genetics, cell physiology. I got three questions wrong. So I was in the 99th percentile, I got an 800. And then it was like, gee, is it me or the system? It's the difference between you can do it or you can teach it. That's not the same thing. So I had a school, I taught kids 11 to 15 how to do it. They did a 30 chapter book and Lifelong Developmental Psych, a sophomore college course in a week. And they took the AP test and 15 out of 18 passed it in one week. So now wow. I knew it was more than just that I could do it, but I could teach it. And that's what I've been doing since, I'd say 35 years. I've been teaching people how to learn and use information faster. That is amazing. That's my story. <laughs> that... I I mean, tell you, I my first marriage was a storybook marriage. Unfortunately, Stephen King wrote the book. 
<laughs> I have a good one now, so I know the difference. My wife is one of the Oh my gosh. I have never heard anybody reference her marriage to Stephen King. <laughs> well, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> you know what? It might, it might be understating. understating. <laughs> you're gonna live a you're gonna live a very long life because you have great humor i, I just love it how Thank he started you. out your origin to where you're ending it with stephen king <laughs> i got that you're very unique sir i like that. i help i helped launch the comedy network in the late 80s early 90s dennis leary was their first big star and i was on his show seven out of 14 shows and i was john stewart's first guest on comedy central uh, if you like i could show you why biologists don't get to do comedy uh, a, a mushroom walks in a bar. The bartender said, get out. We don't serve your kind. The mushroom said, why not? I'm a fun guy. And, and that's why we don't get to do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter. It's, uh, it, you know, even bad comedy, if you listen to it, if it, does, it should make you smile, right? Even, even, even comedians that are deadpan and can't get a laugh out of a specific routine, because I like comedy. I still get a smile, Usually, even even if it's a smile because nobody laughed at it and the comedian's like not seasoned and they're waiting for that, like they're waiting for you to react in a good way and they're standing there like they're not really, they should just flow into the next thing and pretend it didn't happen and they're not good enough to do it. Some of those comedians are awesome and, and well, awful. <laughs> when you're teaching, if you use humor, it makes it more effective. People, uh, when they're happy, their endorphins are flowing and their brain wants to remember what made them feel good. And then when you're teaching them something they actually need to know and they're in a positive state, they'll remember it better. Then if you had an instructor, it's like, when is this going to end? I feel like my head's going to explode. So learning really should be part entertainment so that people's brains light up and want more instead of can't get out of the room fast enough, which a lot of us experienced in many of our Places. someone ring the bell before I kill myself and we've been there so I try to make sure when I teach people will have that experience it's like time flies and they're really having fun well that's great because it's so important that you you've recognized that and you've propelled and and take that message forward I have a good friend of mine Greg Kettner who is a speaker and Greg has opened up for the likes of Robin Williams when Robin was still alive, um, former Canadian. He's now lives in the U.S. And Greg has a site called on Facebook called the Humor Lab, you know, like 12 or maybe 13,000 members now. And they post clean, you know, PG kind of humor so that, you know, young adults, kids can be on it, too. And he that's what he teaches. He teaches in the work how humor is so important in the workplace to help increase your your employees, your employee retention, your employee productivity, and the list goes on. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I've had Greg on my show a long time ago when I first started over a year, like a year ago, and very well received because people don't realize that humor like you said positive endorphins it makes you happy it puts a spring in your step and you can have the worst possible mood or moment in your day and it doesn't take much humor it can be a static cartoon that you read or the little cartoon yeah, bubble yeah, absolutely, absolutely it can be anything anything that changes your state it's one of the things i'm teaching 
in my program is EQ. If you're in the wrong state, even if you got good information, it won't work. I was training the US Special Forces at Fort Bragg, the Royal Thai Army. I trained the Canadian Armed Forces in Toronto and they're very well trained, but if they're uh, in a bad state, they don't remember what they were told, then all that information is gonna not serve very well when they're under fire. They have to actually remember what they were told to do or they could get killed. So one of the important things in life is emotional intelligence. A lot of businesses will give people good information, but they're in the wrong state of mind to use it correctly. So even though they were given the right thing, they don't use it right and it doesn't work and then people are frustrated. So it isn't enough to tell people what they need to know, but how to stay in the right frame of mind to use it when they need to use it. Uh, I I love that. Thank you for bringing that up because I I teach and talk about that all the time of and you know about changing your state and people will say, well, it's difficult. In today's day and age, it is not difficult to change your state because we have so much access due to technology to information. The problem is, is people associate with the wrong people. They associate with the wrong things to put into their brain with books and what they watch on television. They don't know how to separate between entertainment and reality. And they live on that hamster wheel of life from what I, what I talk about myself all the time is, and they get stuck on that hamster wheel. They just don't know the difference with reality and they need people such as yourself and me to tell them there is possibility right now for you to change your state. Would right? you like me to show you how to do it? I could show people how to create a state. Sure. So one of the things I taught the military is how to stay awake. When you're on a mission three or four days, you get really tired. So we know the left side of the brain controls the right and the right the left. So do this with me. Take your left hand, touch your right shoulder, and then your right hand, touch your left. So using the left brain and the right brain. Perfect. Now, ideally, we should stand, but because we're on the uh, camera, it won't work. We're probably both wearing sweatpants. It won't work very well. So, 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 so we'll, we'll pretend oh, we're it. standing, but those watching, it works better. Take your left hand, touch your right knee, and your right hand, touch your left knee. And if you're standing, the knee moves. So you're using both sides of your brain. Then grab your thumb and go like this, like you mean it. And go, I feel great. Yes. I feel great. Yes. That's not convinced. If that's what you do, then you're going to feel, I feel great. Yes. That's how you're going to feel later. No, I feel great. Yes. We're going to do three sets of these, starting with the shoulder taps. Are you ready? My speed. One, two, three, four, five, six. And if you're at home, do this with us. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? I feel great. Yes. I feel great. Yes. That's it. This time a little <laughs> faster. Shoulder taps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Knee taps. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? I feel great. I feel yes. great. Yes. Fast I love as you it. can. If you're standing, get away from the table so you don't bash your knees. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. Knees. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do I you feel, feel great. Yes. yes. You know what happens when you do this three times? Nothing. Now, you probably would like something. So let me show you that one. Remember Pavlov? I was, I'm the president of my rotary club, so I have a rotary bell. Uh, Pavlov rang a bell, he fed a dog, he rang a bell, he fed a dog, he rang a bell, and the dog drooled. 
You don't want to draw, but you do want to feel great. You don't want to be in an important meeting and stand up and start doing the shoulder taps. They'll throw you out of the room. What you do is you grab your thumb and say to yourself, I feel great, yes. You do this every day for 90 days because the newest studies show brains learn habits after 90 days. And that's your conditioned stimulus, not the bell, but the thumb. So you're in an important meeting. I feel great, yes. You're taking a class after work and you're getting tired. You can wake up driving in traffic. I know a lot of cities in Canada, like Emmington, have a lot of traffic. You can wake yourself up when you're finding yourself getting tired. And in the same way, you can learn other states. Like if I teach you to drive and you fail the road test, why did you fail? I got nervous. It was a test. What if I didn't just teach you how to drive, but how to stay calm taking the test? How many more successful students would I have? And referrals. So in business, what are you doing to help people get in the state they need to do what you're telling them successfully? And what are you doing to help get rid of the state that can interfere? And most people say, well, I didn't even know I could do something about it, but you can. And it's important to learn these skills so that you can ensure that people get the benefits that you're promising them and that their emotional state doesn't stop them from getting it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you going through that. Listeners, um, if you want to actually see what Howard and I were doing, um, check out the YouTube channel. You can actually watch us. Um, this is, we're not that far into the show and I'm having an amazing time because we have a lot of commonalities um, you're right though. State is so important. I actually coach people. Those that have listened to my show a lot have heard me talk about this. If you're a new listener, you can get to a point where you never have a bad day ever. You have bad moments within your day and you learn how to time yourself out. And yes, as a child, we hated being timed out as an adult. I love it. <laughs> right. Time me out. So I time my, I, I, I have, cause you know what listeners, People watching, you're not productive when you're in a, in a wrong state. You'll sit there and force yourself through something for hours and your productivity is maybe, if you're lucky, 5-10%. Whereas if you just stop what you're doing, teach yourself a defined period of time where you're going to time yourself out, lay down, listen to a podcast, listen to a book, read a book, do something that's completely different than the state you were in. And you know, spend a little bit of time thinking about what it is that how you were feeling, what was triggering that, accept it, right? Toss it, scratch it out of your mindset. If, if, if for you, a timeout is three hours, at three hour and one minute, you're done. You give your you program your brain to have it at fine moment of time where you're allowed to feel that way, analyze it, change your state in that period of time. But at 3.01, you're, three hours and one minute, your brain knows you're done. You've accepted it. You've dealt with it. Now go back to work. Go back to whatever. I know people that take an hour time out, right? But, you know, a little bit of coaching, there's so many ways that we can have bad moments, never have bad days again. And so I appreciate you talking about changing. Exercise also could do that. Oh, um, big time. Like a bike ride or a walk. Um, it gets the endorphins flowing, which counteracts the negative state. Yeah, twenty minute a twenty minute walk is all really somebody needs. Yeah, yeah. and you know we're hit we're hitting into winter here, and uh, you know I, ju I jump on a treadmill. Right? Yeah, here's a trick. So when you're done with the walk and you're feeling good, gently squeeze your left thumb and go. I feel 
relaxed because you feel good. And That's awesome. you're locking it in. You do that over and over and over again. Now you need to get that state triggered instantly. You don't have time to hit, hit the gym or the treadmill, but you need to do it now because whatever reason you have a time, a time factor today and you can't take that hour or two that you really would like, which would help you, but you don't have that, that luxury. The times that happens, a schedule doesn't permit it. You grab your thumb and you go, I feel relaxed and you trigger the state because every time you did that, you were in that state. And that's I love that. I love that. And it's, you know, I talk to people about the fact of celebrating the little wins in, in your day. And that's what you're saying. So if you go on that 20 minute walk, half hour walk, and you do what Howard's talking about, grab your left thumb and to, you're, you're setting a trigger and it's habit. It, it's a habit that you have to create. But every time you grab your thumb, it's cementing in your brain that you're a success. You did what most people don't do. They say they're going to do something and they break the promise to themselves and it affects your six inches um, between your ears. Your, your brain doesn't know the difference between a lie and the truth. You have to program your brain to know the truth of what your yeah. truth is. And then do like Howard's talking about to cement that in your brain and you will live differently. You will wake up differently, right? You will just, you'll go to sleep differently. And I'm not saying this is perfect. Howard will tell you the same thing. Nothing's perfect, but anything worked on is closer to perfection than sitting back and just having a woe is me attitude in life. Yes, absolutely right. One other thing you can do um, to fight negative states, the worst thing you can do is fight it. So I'll prove, I'm going to control your mind right now and the mind of our listeners and viewers, and you know I'm going to do it and you can't stop me. Don't think of Mickey Mouse eating pizza. And then the first thing that pops in is Mickey Mouse eating pizza. So negative words are negated by the brain. It doesn't understand don't. It only hears, think of Mickey Mouse eating pizza. So you can use that to your advantage. When you're depressed or anxious, depression is you're bummed out over what happened. Anxiety is I'm afraid what's going to happen, but they're related. One is the past, one is the future. But instead of trying to block a negative state, I'm not gonna be depressed, makes you more depressed. I'm not gonna be anxious, makes you more anxious because your brain is be anxious. Focus on the state you want instead of the state you have. The states don't exist. They're only in our mind because we're thinking about them. When you stop thinking about them, you take away their life. So if you're thinking about how relaxed you are, no matter how tense you are, you're creating a different state. And over time, the other state goes away because you're not thinking about it. It doesn't exist without you giving it permission. And the state that you're creating takes over. In either case, you're doing it only in reverse. When you're negative and depressed or anxious, you're doing that, you're creating it. So you have a choice. You can create that state and be debilitated or focus on the opposite state and move forward in a positive life. But you have that power, but you have to make a decision. And it's not magic. It doesn't go away in five seconds because you changed a thought, but it will ultimately over time dissipate the state that's holding you back, your fear, your anxiety, even your depression, you can eliminate all those states by simply focusing on the state you rather have. And eventually the other state simply dissipates for lack of attention. And that's only the only reason it existed in the first place. 
Well, yeah, it's, and we watch our, from young childhood, like back to our origin, we talked about, you know, it starts when we're younger, we see people around us, learn behavior, brain doesn't know the difference between the truth and a lie, we start adopting bad behaviors, um, watching our parents or mentors around us, school teachers, whatever, that get in a funk, and they're stuck in that funk for a day, sometimes days, plural. And, you know, it's so important that people listen to it, you know, rewind and listen to what Howard was talking about. We live in depression, past, anxieties, the future, our industry, instead of helping people accept and understand and change their states, give you a little purple pill. They give you something that's going to help you out. And again, I know people that are clinically depressed that have to be medicated. There is people that it is, it is a, an actual um, brain problem, but a majority, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor based on my life and dealing with family and friends, my own kids, clients, a lot of people are misdiagnosed because nobody cares to build a relationship, listen to what it is that they're going through, and then give them some plausible, um, actionable steps like Howard's talking about, and I mentioned as well, to help you with your state. There's a lot more details to what we're talking about, so reach out to Howard or myself, and we can teach you some things that can help you level up. You don't have to live a life on a hamster wheel. You don't have to feel that you can't talk to anybody except you go to a doctor and say, oh, I'm feeling kind of down. Okay, press hard on the prescription pad here, go pop these pills and change your state medic like through chemicals. And again, I'm not saying that some people don't need that. I do know people that do. Majority of us, we just need some proper education yeah. to do some proper things like exercise, reading, who we associate with as people to keep our endorphin level high here's a prime example listeners i like howard i see howard on the screen or i see a post of howard's and if he i know him my brain the truth in my brain is that howard's a cool guy and he's got some great information and he's a caring compassionate individual i see howard i don't even have to hear him speak my endorphins change right who yeah. are you associating with who are you listening to it's never too late to give a heck about your life there is people out there i am Anybody that's uh, listening that's read my book and knows my origin from childhood up to where I am now knows that I've worked hard on it and I will till the day I die. Howard's the same way because we always want to be a better version of ourselves. Not that the version today isn't good, but we owe it to others and we owe it to ourselves because we you have to love yourself in order to grow and move forward. So it's important that you realize, right, that it takes work and there's people out there such as us that are willing to help you. Don't think you're alone and don't run to addictions like alcohol, drugs, sex, TV addiction, whatever it is to hide, right? Well, sex, maybe. <laughs> Well, okay. You got okay, to addiction. That's yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I get where you're coming, but we're talking about. Celibacy no doesn't cure anything either. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true, right? That's true. But anyway. But I agree with you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just thought I'd No, no, that. no, no. That's funny. That's that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. You know, so we're going to we're gonna move on from the origin. Thank you so much for sharing such great information. So, Howard, you developed cutting-edge accelerated learning techniques that allowed you to become the world's fastest reader. 
What exactly led you to realizing that people were suffering information overload and needing to learn how to pivot and make information assets instead of information burden? I read about it. <laughs> well, you're honest, right? <laughs> but it's true, though. It's what true. Most people, what I, do most I, people do? They're going to blow sunshine up your butt yeah, instead yeah, of just I can being tell honest. You the numbers, they're actually very more is printed each week than in all human history through the year 1800. And every six months, information doubles. The average person reads about 200 words a minute. That's the most. Well, if you crunch those numbers, you can see 200 words a minute. You're falling further behind every day in whatever it is you want to do. And I had an 84-year-old who took my program, read three books in three hours. She was 84. Now imagine every day you read a book in an hour. And not just a book, but a book that can make a difference in your life, like how to how to read, how to how to market, how to communicate, how to build better every day a new skill, Photoshop, making a video. At the end of the year, you have 365 new skills that you can apply in your life. What would that do to your business? What would that do to your life? What would that do to your bottom line? Ultimately, you're gonna make more money and be more productive. You did that for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Everything you do is based on one thing, what you know. Every decision you make is based on what you understand. No one gets up and says, I hope I know less today than I did yesterday. I hope I make less today than I made yesterday. I want an uglier mate. I want, I want, I want to have yeah. more pain today. Well, maybe some people like pain, but most people who don't like pain, which is the majority, don't get up saying, I hope I suffer more today than yesterday. It's all on what you do. And what you do weighs on what you know. And so I've read about 30,000 books. There's a few of them behind me, but every decision I make is based on what I know. So even if I'm an idiot, I'm well-informed. Most people today are suffering because they don't know what other solutions there are. They just haven't had the time. And if you'd like, I could show them how to read faster and comprehend better so they can get started doing it. Sure, go for it, talk about it, yeah. So to read quicker, I'm going to say about 20-40%. I want you to pick a book you've read, preferably a non-fiction book. So the only thing that can confuse you is your speed, not the book, because you already understand it. Time yourself for a minute. Use a smartphone or a watch. Read for a minute and see how far you get reading normal. And then take a pencil, mark it off. And now you know that's how far I can read with what I do now. Now the magic. Go to the second chapter Take your hand, go across one line at a time, eyes following your hand, and this is important, as fast as you can comprehend. So as long as you know what you're reading, go quicker and quicker and quicker till you don't. And that's when you know you went too fast because you already understand the book. So slow down just enough so the comprehension comes back. And for five minutes, go as fast as you could comprehend, not faster, not slower, using your hand to keep the eye moving. Go back to the first chapter where you tested yourself and timed yourself for another minute and use your hand and go as fast as you could comprehend and you'll go 20 to 40% further with that one change. And then after I'll, I'll let you ask some questions, I'll show you how to improve comprehension, which I think is much more important than speed. Wow, I love that. That is a quick little hack there for the listeners or people watching. Um, obviously, the, the quicker we can 
develop and absorb information as Howard mentioned, you can all of a sudden, it's 365 days of information that you've become better. Um, such a fabulous um, thing to talk about. And definitely we'll talk more about it. Um, so can you share with the listeners some of the process of how you developed that accelerated learning technique, as sure. well as introduce some of the process? Well, I was going to talk about comprehension. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And then I'll go back into it. Yeah, sure. Um, well, most people don't realize that speed reading didn't work. The way it was traditionally taught was what I just did. They did hand motions. And you got faster. But when you went to read something you didn't know and slowed down, like a name or a, or a vocabulary word, you lost your speed. Because you had to go fast all the time. And so most people were very disappointed and they didn't learn much. I was on MSNBC about 25 years ago when uh, they first launched and Dick Cavett was a very famous radio TV host, was one of their first hosts. And we got to be friends. We were talking after the show and he said, he interviewed Woody Allen. And Woody said he took Evelyn Woods, which was a big speed reading program. And said he, he read War and Peace in five minutes. It's an enormous book. And, and Dick said, that's incredible, Woody. What do you remember? And what he said, it's about the Russian Revolution. And that's all I remember. And that was speed reading. I think it's a biology book. It's a math book. She didn't learn biology. You didn't learn math. So the guy who went over the woods paid me to teach his son my system and said, you went past speed reading to speed learning. And I'm going to show you what are the key elements. I was more interested in how the brain learns than simply mechanics. And one of the key elements that determines meaning in text is called schema. So I'll demonstrate it by reading a passage with no schema, which will confuse you. Then I'll read it a second time with a one word title that has schema and instantly it'll make sense. Are you ready? This is the schemaless text. Even though the words are simple, you have no idea what I'm talking about. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. It's vague, you have no idea what I'm saying. I'm gonna read it again with a title, one word, and instantly everything makes sense. Laundry, laundry, this is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake and may cost you quite a bit of money. By teaching people where these clues are and they're easy to find, you can go two, three, four times faster in very technical material, law, medicine, chemistry, and actually understand it better at the highest speed because you're not just using your eyes to look quickly at material, you're using what your brain is looking for to make meaning and significance out of that material. And then I teach them how to remember it. And then I teach them how to get in the right state to use it. So it's a bunch of skills. We use study skills to make sense of the things that are confusing. You read the, the calculus book, you memorized all the equations and you failed. You have no idea how to use any of them. So you have all the information, but no idea how to apply it, which is a totally different kind of learning than simply regurgitating facts, which is what most people focus on. So they have the data, but they don't have the insight on how to make the data useful and meaningful in their life. I'm more interested in that. I think people really wanna learn how to use information and not simply 
read faster and remember things they can't make any heads or tail out of. That makes so much sense. Yeah, we are a society. We talked about that earlier about regurgitating and how there's very new, very little new information, just different delivery. Um, so yeah, it's that's so important to understand the fact that you know they have data, but they have no insight. Yeah, right? I really that that is so true. There's so many different things that we can become better at but we don't have people that are out educating and teaching us how to do it. So like you said, somebody reading really slow or they'll, even if they learn how to read fast, as the example you gave of the person that read um, war and peace, um, you really can't re they remembered hardly anything. So just cause you blew through it in, yeah, blew five through five in five minutes. If you can't, if you didn't take away the information out of it, then, who cares? Waste of time. Right. There's yeah. actually three levels of learning: literal, implied, and inferential. And I'll demonstrate that. Literal is what's on the page; it's the words. It's often what people memorize. They remember names and, and definitions. They don't know what any of it means, but they know it, so they can answer. The, who discovered the New World? The Christopher Columbus. What year? 1492. Doesn't mean anything. What did it? What was the significance? All the indigenous people died just about. Uh, changed everything in Europe. They started taking over and making a lot of money and going to wars. It was a whole different world. So that's a much more significant insight than what year it happened and who, who was the person that did it. Um, the second level is implied learning. And that's using what you know already. So if I said, uh, the man drank a glass of water, you don't go stop, what's a man? What's drinking? What's a glass of water? If we had to explain everything, nothing could be read. The third level, and this is the deep level, is the meaning and significance. I'm going to actually show you um, three levels now with an example, and the third one will, will be very, very profound. So I want you to picture a circle with a dot in the middle. Just picture a giant circle with a point at the center. So what are you picturing? What's the picture? What's the picture? The circle with a dot in the middle. Yes. How interesting is that realistically? Not very. Not, That's how yeah. most learning is. Go read the book. You teach, read the, why do I have to read? Because I said so. How many times did you have that experience? So I said so. Read it. You had no reason to read it. You had no motivation to read it. No gain to read it. It was just do it because I said so. And that's often at work as well. That's level one reading, literal. Second level is implied. The circle with the dot in the middle is actually a symbol. It's the symbol of the sun. It's the symbol of the sun in astronomy. And because astrology and astronomy have a common ba basis back in the day, not today, but back hundreds of years ago, all astrologers were astronomers and pretty much all astronomers were astrologers. It's also the symbol of the sun. Now I want to go to the third level. I want you to see this is one of the meanings of life. It's a circle with a dot in the middle. So how can it be a meaning of life? I'll show you how. A point is infinitesimally small. Wherever we look, there's an infinite number of points. They're invisible. You can't see a single one. So it symbolizes spirit. Everywhere you look, it's omnipresent and invisible. You can't see it anywhere. I had a funny thing I read the other day. It says, God's 
able to do anything, ask him to say hello. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Anyway, uh, yeah. the point is everywhere. You don't see it anywhere. Now think of the circle as a boundary. Everything in the circle is self. Everything out of the circle is what is itself. So what does it say? Every self at the center is one thing. It's all spirit. Everyone's one thing. Humanity is a thing. It's not just a, uh, a euphemism. We're all connected. And we're no better off than the weakest member of our family. Everyone is one. Brotherhood isn't just a euphemism. We're connected. So when we help others, we're helping everyone and ourselves at the same time. It's talking about how all things are, all things are connected. They look different. They seem different. In fact, magic is real. Real magic is real not card tricks or mirrors. If you look around you, everything you see that isn't an animal, vegetable, or a mineral is a thought someone had that became real. The microphone, the headset, your glasses, the shirt you're wearing, the room you're sitting in, the chair you're on. Someone thought of it. And think about that. They turned a thought, something in their head that's invisible, and made it real. They created that thought. They manifested that thought in a world where we all can look and see and use it. That's magic. It's turning ideas into reality. How do you do that? By learning, by reading books, by talking to people, by taking classes, and then connecting the dots and finding a way to turn your idea, your inspiration into a reality. It's, that's real magic. That's why they said man is in the image of God. We create things from our thoughts. Everything we do is from our thoughts. In fact, um, here's an interesting concept. You know, we read about the Big Bang. It's this infinitesimal point that's everything, grows out to be the whole universe. Picture this point that it starts off as in your mind, this infinitesimal point and expand it infinitely out like an explosion in every direction. And notice something amazing. The point and the infinite expansion both existed between your ears in the same space. If the universe is built from consciousness, it can grow out infinitely and still be in the same place. And if you think about what the Bible says, there's a consciousness that says, let there be light, let there be this. It's consciousness creating everything. In which case, it could grow as big as it has to and still be the same size, just as the little point in the infinite universe exists in your mind. And that might help explain where does it go? How does it grow? Where does it grow into? If it's well, everything. Con like you said, though, your consciousness, so your understanding continues to grow. The space and expanse between our six inches between our ears is still the same. Yeah, we, we just grow our comprehension and our understanding and become more knowledgeable. And that's life wisdom. That's but it. people, people sit back and complain and whine and bitch about life and, oh, boo hoo, this mistake, blah, 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 because they, they've never trained themselves or had the opportunity to train their brain to comprehend the fact that you can continue to grow. You're never going to stop, but you always have the same six inches, right? I'm 72. <laughs> I'm 72. And I'm just doing stuff every day. I'm challenging myself. I'm writing. I'm lecturing. I'm recording. I'm making new programs. I swim. I swim half a mile three times a week. I lift weights every other day. 
keep doing. You want to be a vegetable, be a vegetable. That's a choice. But we're put on this earth, we're given an opportunity to learn and grow and become and evolve. And what do successful people do that other people don't? They use the time better. Why has Bill Gates got a billion dollars and we don't? He uses time better. He was able to turn a thought, a dream into a reality. Elon Musk. Uh, you know something they have in common? They read. Elon Musk reads two books a day. Oprah, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Jack Ma read a book a day. Look at how their bank account looks and look at your bank account. Which bank account would you rather have? What are they doing you're not doing? They read a book every day or two books. They keep expanding their understanding. You could spend your day wasting time and complaining about where you are or learning how to fix it. I'll give you a trick. The single fastest way to change your life is to change the questions you're asking. If you say, why am I a loser? You'll find out. Your brain will give you a long list of many, many reasons why you're a loser. Won't help you very much, but you'll get the list. What if you said, how can I be more successful? Instead of asking, why don't I understand this? Or this is stupid, why do I need to learn it? What if you said, how can I learn this faster and better? How can I apply this in my life? How can I use this to be more successful? The questions you ask will determine the information you get from your brain. You ask loser questions, and too many people do. You get loser answers, and you remain where you are. You ask successful questions. Things change. And one of the secrets is get the information that will move you in the direction. If you want to do something, there's probably someone who did it already. Get 10 books by 10 people who did what you want. You just got a business plan. You'll be number 11. It worked 10 out of 10 times. Why won't it work 11 out of 11 times? Or you could try inventing the wheel all by yourself and take forever and experiencing all the failures they did instead of the successes that they did. It's all about learning and understanding. The people you know and the books you read determine the outcome of your life. Oh, wow. That is profound. The people you know and the things you read are going to define you. And that is, it's simple, but it's profound because I believe in that myself, right? Associations, right? I love how people automatically say the word associations, you think of people. It's not just the people. It's what are you putting into you between your six inches? What are you listening to? We already talked yeah. about that. What are you reading? Yeah. What are you just, what are you doing? And, and I, and so important listeners, right? What questions are you asking yourself? Because your brain, again, doesn't know the difference between the truth and a lie. So the question you ask yourself and your brain responds to it is crucial and critical for your, and I'm not talking just financial success. I'm talking yeah. about your just life in general success, right? Relationships. Everything. Friendships. Everything. It all depends on attitude. And, and, and how you picture yourself and how you carry yourself and how you communicate. People, if everyone says, you know, you talk too much, maybe you should listen. And the only thing they have in common is unless they all went in a room somewhere and you weren't there and had a meeting about how you talk too much, there's a 
possibility maybe you talk too much. And I'm not saying you should change everything about you, but if enough people are pointing out there's something you're doing that's annoying or irritating or keeping them from wanting to engage with you, maybe you should listen to that information and say, okay, how do I fix this? What, what can I do to make myself more acceptable to others? Have a better life, have, have more successful friends and have a better relationship with my, my uh, significant other. All those things could be changed by yeah. how you think and process information. Well, people and, are so camped in their mindset and they get stuck. They forget how to climb. And what I mean by climbing is they, they've, they've stagnated. They go to work, go home, get paid, whether they're a business owner or an employee or a career-driven person. They go to work, go home, get paid, rinse and repeat, start to the next day. They day. live for the weekends. Their brain, which thrives on new information, isn't getting it. Our brain thrives on good questions so it can be challenged, doesn't get it, and we become stagnant. And we have to honestly believe that if we can change one person, that one person will talk about it with somebody else. And that's where you started years ago. You're in your 70s. And as an addition, for those that are listening, he looks amazing at 72. Um, Thank you. But Thank you. such I a lift weights. I lift weights. I swear my you. bike. Yeah, I, was so. a, I was a yogi when I got out of college. I don't know if I mentioned that part. No, when you I didn't. I got out of college. I was interested in consciousness. So I became a yogi. I studied all seven schools of yoga with Yogi Bhajan. I, I've been meditating for 50 years. And... I think that changes. I feel responsible to use what I've been given to help people. I mean, you could say, hey, he's the fastest reader in the world. That's not what I look at. It's like, I have a responsibility. The world's in trouble. Do you think there's too oh, many smart absolutely. people making too many good decisions? That's our biggest challenge. I look at young people. We're giving them global warming, exploding debt, lots of wars and violence and stupidity. Oh, yeah. I feel it's my responsibility if I found a way to change it. Well, what you and I, what you and I are really looking for though, Howard, is we're looking for, because you talked about smart people. The difference between somebody smart and somebody not so smart, stupid, whatever, is the fact the smart person was one of the willing. They were willing to step out. They were willing to feel the pain of, rejection of lack of learning capabilities because they're trying to teach themselves how to learn better as you know some of the processes you talk about they it hurts for them to think that maybe the associations in their life are wrong and they have to change them that it's going to hurt to not hang out with this person or stop watching the negative crap they're watching start picking up and reading non-fiction instead of living in their in the fantasy world of fiction yeah. it's one word though willing are you willing to step out and do what it takes to change and if you are there's people such as howard and myself that will help you but we only can work with the willing all you need is a little spark in your brain that says i'm done i want to change and i believe that you can then because you become the willing. Now we just have to take you, your road's going to have more hills and valleys than somebody else's possibly or more pain points, but we can get through it if you're willing to suffer because sometimes it is a suffering yeah, thing. Yeah. More, right? Most successful people fail more than they succeed, but they never stop and they keep correcting. 
It's not failure. It's experimenting. Exactly. You don't know what works till you try. So you try 10 things, 20 things, 30 things. And then the 31st thing is the one that works. And that's what you go with. You don't know. You try. You keep changing. You don't keep doing what doesn't work because it doesn't work. And you don't whine and complain because it didn't work. You look for something else that might work until you find what works. And you just keep going in the direction you chose different ways. There's more than one way to go somewhere. There's many paths. But people do those, they give up, they get tired, they get frustrated. Other people are busy saying, you're wasting your time, you're a dreamer, you don't know what you're doing, and they give up. You have to have the desire to be a success and want to improve yourself and realize that part of it is discovering what's not right. Part of it is turning on a light in a dark box and see some of the cobwebs that are in there that need to be swept away. That's okay. At least you're aware they're there. And now you can fix them. You didn't even know they were there and needed fixing before. That's called unconscious incompetence. You don't even know you have a problem. So you're content to live with it because you figure that's the way it is. But no, it isn't the way it is. It's the way you've chosen for it to be by not looking beyond the problem. And most people could be in so much more success and have so much more happiness if they would just permit themselves to keep growing and break like a snake, break out of that skin and grow and become bigger and better and more than you were yesterday, not less. But it doesn't happen by wishful thinking. It comes from learning. It comes from associating with positive people who are going in that direction with you. And that's how people succeed. That's why a lot of entrepreneurs join entrepreneurial groups for encouragement and to learn what's working. Oh, I just did this and it doubled my income. Really? How did you do that? And you go when you try it. And now look at that. I doubled my income. Well, you collapse time. That association collapses time frames. Yeah. All associations in your life from people to what you read or listen to collapse time frames, right? It it just does. You got to be willing to step out on it is you got to step out on faith because again, what's maybe something that takes somebody months to ingest and, and get past because of their learned behaviors from childhood to adulthood, another person, it might be days because they're at a different part in their journey in life. Yeah. And the biggest thing is, is people get, they get, you know, they quit. I see people quit with, they try something for a few days. They quit. They just, they they aren't willing to, they go back to their comfort zone and success is always outside the comfort zone. Always. And, and people's success. Sometimes I know people that are just about on the verge to have an eruption and change in their life. And, and that's, it's just around the corner, but they can't see around the corner because their belief system isn't there and they're seeing straight ahead and all they see is valleys. They don't see any more Hills. They just see the fact that they're going to get caught in a valley to spare and, they give up on themselves far too easy. So listeners, if you're one of those people that constantly tries new things and quits, you are worthy of not quitting. You know, give it another day. Keep on telling yourself, tomorrow is another day. What did I do today in this new skill that I wanted to learn that was successful? Extrapolate from that and say, tomorrow is another day. I'm not going to do that same thing that didn't succeed today. 
I'm going to use today as a stepping stone into tomorrow. And you keep on telling yourself that you eventually will um, go from, you know, your belief system will increase, right? Your actions need to be consistent. Your believability increases all through consistency, ABC, action, belief, consistency. One of my mentors teaches about that, speaks on the stage, and it's so underrated. Take action every day, listeners, every day. day. I have a way to do that. I'll give you a little trick there. When when you're studying, uh, set up a three-column table in word processor. Now, most people in the first column, you write what everyone else is, what you're learning. Like you're teaching something, now I'm teaching something. And people take notes on what they're learning, but they're missing two thirds of the information if they're doing that. In the middle column, there's two things you do. Put down your insights, any elaboration, related data or information that isn't being presented, but you're aware of that takes it to the next level. Or what did the presenter or the writer do that captivated you? Was it a voice pattern? Was it a joke? Was it a, 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 a picture, a chart, a, a, a movie? Whatever they did that made you go, wow, that's amazing. You just found something that makes people go, wow, that's amazing. So when you're speaking or when you're writing, you just found a meta program, a meta program that captivates people and gets their attention and moves them in the direction you want. You can take that and use it. And the third column, and this is what you were talking about, very important. How will I use what I just learned in my own life? Let's imagine I'm at a Dan Kennedy seminar. I'm good friends with Dan. He teaches good marketing strategies. He just taught a very powerful marketing strategy. And I think in my head, if I use what he just taught, I can double my income. So in the third column, I write down specifically how I'm going to use that when I get home to double my income. Now, when I get home, instead of just reading what I learned, I'm going to look at what I said I would do with it. And I do it. I take action. I can't do all of them in one day if I'm in a four-hour workshop, but I take a couple each day and I implement them. And I'll tell you, when you see your income double, you don't have to study it again because your brain just saw an amazing success using a certain idea or strategy, that's not something you have to study. That's something you're gonna use over and over again because it's proven itself to work. It's effective. And so every day have action steps from what you're learning and do them. And the real learning isn't from the book and it isn't from the lecture, it's from the action of doing what you learned and experiencing the results and seeing those results in your life make you want to continue to use them. Well, look that's at, how you really learn and master information. A hundred percent. Look at all the different conferences that I know myself in my life, I've been to 150 to 200 different conferences and take pages and pages and pages of notes. We get home, we have that endorphin hit, you know, the last day of the conference, we're kind of tired. Our brain's overloaded because today's conferences, most of them are done wrong. Nobody needs to sit in a chair from nine to five, three days, right? It, it's information overload. They don't know how to process it, which is bad enough. Then they take all those notes and they never, ever go through and do what Howard was just talking about. Just take a couple of things. And I'm, I'm a work in project, Howard. I'm still working on that. Uh, I belong to a few masterminds. I'm going to a conference. I fly to the U.S. next week. And that conference is the best type of conference. One day of learning, one day of 
hanging out with their speakers and the attendees because there's only 40 of us, right? And then a free day where you can associate with whoever and do whatever. And those are the type of conferences I like going to. The maximum day and a half, I just came back from a conference, learned a lot, but it was three days, came back from Salt Lake. And by a day and a half in, my brain was just mush. Too much information. Even the notes I took, I looked back at them and I'm, I'm going like, wow, the first day and a half, the notes are so clear so that I can take some actionable steps. By day 1.5 to the end of day three, my brain was mush because my notes were discombobulated. They weren't necessarily connected because I had disconnected. There was too much speaker after speaker after doing this do that you know what i mean and i get why people do it it's a psychology of wearing people down so they can upsell you at the end of the program right yeah, a lot of those conferences are just self-fest they're not really designed to teach they're exactly designed. i'll give a good example tony robbins is brilliant and here's what he'll do he'll say there's 10 things you need for a fantastic relationship Here's the first, and he'll talk for an hour and a half on the first and say, the other nine will be in my conference next week on how to have a perfect relationship. <laughs> and now you're like, wow, that was really good, but I'm going to go back next week for the other nine. And then Well, and then, and then there are five, four or five days of intensity where I love Tony. I've been to, I was at, I was honored to in my industry, I qualified for a day program with Tony. They brought him in. There was uh, about a thousand of us um, total. And it was intense. It was just a one day thing. And I enjoyed it. But oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine doing that for four or five days. Wearing people down, sleep deprivation, emotional highs, emotional lows can work. But not for everybody. Not everybody does Tony work for in my opinion, right? Again, right. I'm not being, different. People, are I'm different, not critical right? of him, but I, I agree. There's so many speakers. And then you go to places where they speak in the back of the rooms, all full of tables. Come buy us a program. It's $5,000 here. We taught you step one, as you mentioned, as an example, if you want to learn the rest, sign up for this course, it's five grand. Oh, you can't afford it. Put it on your credit card. We'll split it up over four months and blah, blah, blah. You know, saw your firstborn, And it's just, it's terrible. That information is become for many invaluable, even though it may be valuable what's in that program, because it's all about pitching. It's all about making money. It's not, hey, let's build relationships. That's how people think differently. And if we do the right thing, we give the universe, we, we help God's children become better versions of themselves. Money's going to come to you anyway. That's how You're I gonna do be it. That's exactly. me too. Exactly. Me too, brother. Me too. So what we're doing now is just sharing. And then hopefully at the end, people say, well, I liked it. What else do you got? I would like well, to continue the relationship. You're, you sound interesting. It sounds like you know what you're talking about. I think you could really help me become a better person. What do I need to do to continue our relationship? And that's not doing Jedi mind tricks. It's just saying, look, this is how I teach. This is what I do. You like it? We can do more. Because at some point you got to get paid because we have to pay bills like everyone else. But I try, I find if you just give a lot of value and not a lot of BS, just to give smoke screens, people can see when you're trying to help them, sincerely help them, all you want is their checkbook. Well, and, yeah, people don't care what you difference. know. I think people people want to know that. that you care. 
People want, you know, I, I can tell people all the time, people don't care what I know. They want to know I care first. Thank you. And then they want to know what I know. That's right. And, and, and life is about relationships. I think about all the hills and valleys of my life, Howard, and some of the valleys I was in associations big time was a, was a key thing, but you know, I was associating with people that were always wanting my credit card, write a check, right? You know, give, give, they wanted, they give me little morsels and then they want me to give, give, give. And then I'm stepping out on faith and don't get what I need because I haven't been taught how to take that information and do ABC action, belief, consistency. I haven't been taught this shit in school, right? I haven't been, I haven't been worked with correctly. And many of you listeners that are listening or watching this, you feel the same way. If you're stuck at all, reach out to Howard, man. Like you mentioned about the fact, how do we stay in contact? Like, what do what are we going to do when I get value from Howard? I, you're stuck with me now, brother. <laughs> I'm going to be Thank reaching you. out to I you and I'm going to. I like I, what I do. Honestly, remember I said I was a yogi and yeah. it's not just, it was never just money for me. I, I believe in karma and dharma. I feel reading 80, 90 pages a minute is a gift. But I also feel it's a responsibility to use the gift because if people who have these gifts don't use them, what kind of future will we have? As, as a society, when all these problems are confronting us, I can't fix all the problems, but I can make people smarter who can. So maybe there's a doctor who reads 50 more books than anybody read, and he finds the cure for cancer. Because he found pieces of the puzzle that nobody saw before, they didn't have time. Or someone who figures out how to make energy better, or somebody who figures out how to create world peace. It's not gonna be me, but it will be someone that read my program and learned how to think and use information better and make better choices and decisions. So that's what I feel my job is, is to help other people be better at what they do. So we can all benefit from, as a family, from the collective advantage and they get, they get a better life doing it. And we all get the benefits of the better life because they did it. It's not gonna come from wishful thinking and hoping and dreaming, it's going to take people with real minds and ideas and information to fix some of these problems. And I know that every time I read a book, I realize there's something else I didn't know. I don't feel smarter. It makes me more aware of how much there really is. And one of the smart things is realizing you can't do it all. You need other people. The reason you and I are here today, someone's growing food so we have something to eat and somebody made our clothes, and somebody's making our electricity. If they weren't out doing that for us, we could be, we'd be out having to do it ourselves. We'd be back on the farm trying to grow something to eat tomorrow. So don't look down on anybody. Everybody is doing something that contributes to what you do. You couldn't do it without them. There's no little people and there's no little jobs. Everything they do makes it possible for you to do. And be grateful for what you have and where you are and be grateful to those people. So a lot of them made a lot of sacrifices. They're getting up at four in the morning to milk a cow. So you have milk on your table in the morning and you didn't have to milk a cow. I don't want to milk a cow, but I'm glad somebody did because I like having milk in my cereal. And I'm glad somebody made wheat so I have bread on my table. I don't want to grow wheat. I have other interests, but if they didn't grow it, I'd have to do it 
myself. So realize everyone matters. It's all connected. Don't think you're better than other people. Be grateful for what other people are doing so you're able to do what you do. That's the right way to go through life. Oh, gratitude's key. Absolutely. Um, so Howard, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? I think that the world's in trouble and we need people who care and are willing to change for the better. If we all make a point of every day becoming better than we were yesterday, learning a new skill, learning how to do something we couldn't do before, we all grow. We all become more successful. Uh, my website is berglearning.com, like my name, B-E-R-G. We have reading, writing, memory, and math. Reading will show you how to learn twice as fast so you can have better data. Writing, I wrote a book in five hours. It went number one on Amazon the next day. We didn't have time to talk about that today, but you'll learn how to eliminate writer's block so you can create. Writing is output, reading is input. Memory is retention. And then math is the key to everything we do is numbers. As you said before we started the show, numbers are everything. If you need help, we have a staff that works with you. And if they can't help you, I personally do it. So I want to know what's going on so I can make sure people get what they paid for. I'm a Rotary president. I think if you promise to do something, you should actually give them what you promised and not charge them because they didn't get what they paid for. I mean, why wouldn't you want to give them what they paid for? So I want to know what's going on and make sure they learn it. And uh, it matters to me. And I take pride in their accomplishments. Not that they don't get credit, but I know I, I contributed to it. It makes me feel I'm doing, I had an 18 year old, uh, went to graduate school, got a master's in math at 19 with 397. Another became an attorney at 19. Another one, 11 year old C student, 22 year old English professor. Another did four year university in six months. Came a, 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 a went out to, to, to proselytize and went to China and learned Chinese in three weeks. And then he's a missionary. He sold his company when he was 40 for 38 million, which is an amazing thing for a missionary to make $38 million. Wow. And that makes me feel good. It makes me feel, look what I helped them do. I mean, it makes me feel I'm doing something useful with my life. So I hope people will give me a chance to help them. Like you said, I can't go to them. They have to come to me, berglearning.com. And if you have a question or you need help, you can text me, you can email me at howard at berglearning.com. I'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. It'll help you do better in business. It'll help your kids finish school and get a good job. And when the jobs change, which they do now quickly, they'll be smart enough to change with it because they know how to learn. And it'll keep mom and pop from turning into vegetables when they're older. I'm 72. I don't think anyone thinks I'm senile. Uh, your brain is as good as you use it. It's a muscle, like a muscle. You stop learning, it stops growing, you become mush. You keep feeding it new data and learn new skills every day. It stays young and vibrant. And that's a choice. You get to pick. Do you want to be a vegetable or do you want to stay alert and, and contributing as you get older? To me, retirement's silly. I have no desire to retire. I mean, there's days I want to do fun things and not work. But overall, I like what I do. I enjoy what I do. So I want to keep doing it as long as I can. 
I'm going to keep doing it. And uh, hopefully you'll become part of my learning family and we can do it together and that'll be fun. Oh, I love, I love the fact of, Oh, one last thing listeners. And then I'm going to close out the show. Um, Bottom line, we're a combination of our associations we talked about, and it's not what you know, it's who you know, and what they know that counts. It gets overused, but it is so true. So podcasting has taught me more in the last year from fabulous guests like Howard has taught me to think differently. I learn a ton of information. I know some of my listeners have reached out. They learn a ton of information. It's just this, this podcast is a stepping stone. So when you're done listening to this, reach out to Howard. There's information that he mentioned. I'll make sure it's in the show notes. You can get it, giveaheck.com and take that next step, right? We believe in you, but you have to be one of the willing. And if you have that spark and you're willing, there's techniques and things that Howard can teach you. Um, if you want a connection to Howard and you're nervous, because some people are, that's how raw they are in their lives. They're so they've been taken advantage of or hurt. And if you trust me, listeners, get a hold of me and I will connect you to Howard because you deserve to be the best version of yourself. But it takes work every day, right? Just as Howard mentioned about it, work every day to learn more. So I really appreciate that. Any last closing things, Howard? I just want to appreciate everyone for listening. And I hope that I'll be given that opportunity to help them to have a better life. And I'd love to hear their success stories because it makes me feel very, very good about what I'm doing when I hear how it's affecting other people. That's the best part of the job. Oh, and that's awesome. Listeners, um, Howard has got the biggest smile on his face from going from one ear to the other. What he just said was so genuine and true. I could feel that in my heart of hearts. So I just want to say thank you, Howard. I really appreciate your time. And so thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Howard. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.